Well, welcome to Life Church. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our Appleton campus, online campus, Germantown campus? Just welcome everybody. Wherever you are joining us from, we are glad that you're connected. And uh, we're starting this brand new series called Love and Family. And so today I want to talk about the home. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings. It's the Old Testament, so if you need to go to the table of contents, that's totally fine. 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, there's about 30 some odd verses. I'm not going to read all of them, but it's, a, it's a, um, an account that happens in the Old Testament. And as you're turning there, um, whether you're at the Appleton campus or even you're online and you're, you're maybe you're um, traveling this weekend or you're here at the Germantown campus, wherever you may be, uh, this is the last weekend to sign up for life groups. And so I just encourage you, if you've not done that yet, uh, to, uh, uh, there's a card there on the seat pocket or you received it as you came in. Also, there's an orange tent, uh, and you can just simply go by and uh, touch base with anybody that's there. They'll help you get signed up. If you're not involved in a life group, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to do so. It's just kind of how we do life at church, here at Life Church. And so uh, to do that, matter of fact, I have a personal goal, and, and I found out today before uh, the service that we are 50 people, 50 adults from that personal goal. So if you don't do it just because of that, but that's, it's the highest that we've ever had. Uh, and the reason why I want to see that happen is because I really think that spiritual transformation doesn't happen in rows. I think it happens in circles. I don't think it happens. I think we start a conversation here, but really the um, transformative power of, of what we talk about in God's word really happens through relationships. And if you think about it in your own life, um, how God has used other people to help you, that's really how that happens. Discipleship doesn't happen through programs. Bible studies don't happen through books. Uh, it's not even through preaching and personality. It is through relationship of being able to interact and to talk and to do that. And so I highly value this in my own life, and we value it here at Life Church. And so, again, if you've not gotten a chance, just stop by, see someone today before you leave, and, uh, and, and get connected on, in a life group. Um, as I talk about this this weekend, my, my title of my message is, is The Blessed Home. And uh, I think everybody wants their home to be blessed, for God to bless their house. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's something, you know, used to, there were these little um, wall-hanging art pieces that would be, you know, God bless this home, God bless this house, and, and that type of a deal. My, my mom has one. I think it's, it's all, like, uh, stitched, and it's all matted and framed in the house somewhere right there in the foyer. And and everything, and uh, needlepoints, I think is what you call that. And so, right, anybody back in the day? All right, anyhow. So, um, but what does that mean? And, and how do I have a home that's blessed? What does it mean to have a house that's blessed? What does it mean to, when you get home today, that your home is a blessed home? What does it mean to raise your children in a blessed environment? What does it mean to have a marriage that's blessed? Today, this weekend, Tammy and I celebrate 22 years ago. She said yes. Yeah. And she's tried to get out of it many times, but I keep showing up that piece of paper. No, we're married, babe. This is it. So I'm teasing. But blessed, let me give you a, kind of a, a definition. Uh, I didn't come up with this, but we've used this before in, in other sermons and other series that we just kind of use as what, what it means to be blessed. To be blessed is living a life that is on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. 
To be blessed means to be living a life that's on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. So to have a blessed home would be to have a home that's on the receiving end of the tangible and the intangible favor of God. Your family is the greatest blessing that, you, that, that God gives you. Uh, I mean, God will give us a lot of blessings in life, but, but the family is intended, at least, to be the greatest blessing that God gives. Before God ever institutes the church, he institutes family. I mean, go back to Genesis, the opening verses, the opening chapters. God makes Adam and Eve, and the two become one flesh, and, that, and God does the first marriage ceremony. There is this God bringing together, God instituting the home, God blessing this institution. And God wants your home to be happy. He wants your marriage to be delightful. He wants your children to be the blessing that his word says in Psalms that they can be. Uh, God desires that. And for you to want a home that is on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God is completely, not only is it okay, it's completely biblically righteous uh, uh, desire that, that, that we should have in our lives. Having said that, the greatest attack of the enemy of Satan in your life or in my life or in the church is against the family. The family really becomes the battleground where all of this happens. Because if, if the enemy can take you out, if the enemy can take your marriage out, if he can take your kids out, if he can just get you away from this home, away from this ideology and this theology of family, then he can totally disintegrate your life. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what, how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how many friends you have. It's his family. And so, and family's funky. Let, let's just be honest, right? I mean, family is, this is not an easy thing. Because, because the, the dealing, you're dealing with family, you're not dealing with, with inanimate objects. You're, you're dealing with people. You're dealing with feelings. You're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with things that are completely intangible. You're dealing with things that you can't always quantify or, 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 or can be very subjective that are not objective in and of themselves. And you're dealing with feelings and emotions, and you're mashing all of this together, and you're putting all this together in this home. And, and, and then you're growing with it, and you're developing with it, and then you're trying to do all of this holy, righteous living of the family in the context of a very unholy, very unrighteous world that fights against that. There's a tension all the time. So how do you do that? Well, the Bible is full of examples, and I'm going to read a passage, and I'm going to tell a story, and I don't mean a story like it's fictitious, but it's an account in 2 Kings chapter 4 of a Shunammite woman. She's never given a name, but she's from Shunamma, or Shunam is where she's from, and, and so she, but she and her husband and her one son, they have some characteristics, and we see this throughout Scripture, and I, this is one of the things I love about the Bible. You can drop in on these stories, on these people's lives, and then you can see these principles. Practices may be cultural, but principles work at any time, at any place, and God is responsible for doing two things from his word, keeping his principles intact and the promises of his word intact. So as we read even the Old Testament and we see principles, we see things that are happening, we can go, that's what that looks like. That's an example. That's what God wants us to see. That's part of why it's there. So I want to read this, and I'm going to start in verse 8. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to skip a little bit, but when I do, I'll let you know. But starting in verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 4. And one day Elisha, he was a prophet of God, 
went on to Shunammah, and where uh, a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn to, there to eat, verse 9. And she said to her husband, Behold, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room uh, on the roof with walls and, and put up there for him a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Verse 13. And, she, and he said to him, uh, this is Elisha, say now to her, see, you've taken all this trouble for us. What, what, what is it that we can be done for you? In verse 14, Gehazi, who is, uh, who is kind of the associate pastor there, he's the, he's, he's the assistant to Elisha, answered, uh, she has no son and her husband is old. Verse 15, so Elisha, he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. Verse 17. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time that the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. Verse 18. And when the son had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. So they're working in the fields. Verse 19. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. So he has this complete heat stroke. And the father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. Verse 20, and when he had lifted him up and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Verse 21, and then she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. So Elisha, the room that she had built for Elisha. She lays him on that bed, and she shuts the door behind him, and she went out. Verse 22, and then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may go quickly and go to the man of God, that's Elisha, and come back again. Verse 23, and he said, why do you go to him today? It is neither the new moon, new moon nor the Sabbath. There's no church, is what he's trying to say. And she said, all is well. And if you read the rest of the verses, verses 24 through 37, it tells the rest of the story where she goes to Elisha. She tells Elisha what happens. Elisha comes back and, and lays hands on, on her son who is dead. And he comes back to life and, and, and he's alive and, and he's raised from the dead. And, and, and then uh, it goes on to chapter 5. When you read through this, you, you can at first kind of read it of this story of how there's many characteristics and there's many angles in which you can read it. But, but you can read it and think of, oh, this is divine healing and how God works and, and how God can bless, you know, a, 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 a mother who is never conceived of a child, how God can bless them with a, ch a child. But, but I want to look a little bit, li I, I like to kind of get away from the tree and look at the forest and see what's happening. And really when you look at it, there's some characteristics, there's some things that are going on that this home that's blessed, Elisha calls it a blessed home, this home that's blessed, why is it blessed? What's going on here? What, what are the characteristics? What, what are the principles that are happening? Well, first of all, we see verses 8 through 10, we see that it's a place of honor. We see that this home is a place of honor. That this, this, this husband and this wife, now, all we know is where they live. So Shunema was, was a place, so she's a Shunemite woman, so we don't know. So it'd be like Wisconsin, and she's a Wisconsinite, or a Scani. That's how it would say if it was that way. Does that make sense? So don't get caught up on Shunema or Shunemite, or where does that mean, and what does that mean, and whatever. You're, you're reading too deep to it. She's not given a name, which is always interesting in Scripture, because when someone's given a name, there, there's, there's a reason behind the name. There's a purpose for the name. Sometimes it's connected to a genealogy. But when there's no name that's given, most of the time what's inferred is that this could be anybody at any place at any time. 
That's, that's the power when sometimes when you see great things that are happening with no names. You, you see that there is this, this, this family that's, that's they, they see the man of God, Elisha, coming by. And so, and they have welcomed him into their home and they've blessed him. And so much so that they want to make a place for him in their home. Now, here's what's happening. Here's what you got to understand, too, as you're reading the Old Testament. The way God will demonstrate himself in the Old Testament, one of the ways in which he pronounces himself to his people is he does it through, um, through, through prophets. And so Elisha was a prophet. And so he represented God. So what's happening here is he represents the very essence and the very presence of who God is. So when she invites Elisha into her home, this family does, what they're doing is they're inviting God into their home. When she is honoring Elisha, she's not just honoring the man, but she's honoring him because he's a man of God. When she builds a room, her husband builds a room onto their house, they're not just building it for a per person, they're building it for the person of God. What, 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 say, what, what she's saying here is that, is that this man of God continues to come by, and we want to make a place for this man of God so that every time he comes through, there's a place for him to stay so that he's always welcome. See, in our society, we really get into hospitality, and there's nothing wrong with that. But hospitality is more about the hostess than it is about the person that's being, uh, that, 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 than it is the guest. Here's what I mean. Hospitality, if I invite you to my home, it's really more about making sure that my home is presentable for you, the guest, than it is really about you, the guest. It's really more about me impressing you than it really is about you being impressed. It's really more about making sure that my lawn's cut and that, and that, and that the lawn chairs are all nice and that, and that the house is all clean and that everything smells nice and those candles are lit and the food's good and everything. Is, it's all about this and, and, and that's one way of looking at it, but this is just so much bigger than that. This is about ministering to the man of God. And so it's not about hospitality where it's about an impression. It's about, it's about hosting someone to where you're ministering to somebody. So what she's doing here is she's saying, look, I recognize the hand and the blessing of God on your life being the man of God. And as you begin to come through, I want to honor you by you coming into my home. And I want to minister not entertain. I want to minister to you. I want to meet needs in your life. And I want to make sure that my home is a place where I recognize the hand of God on your life, Elisha. Therefore, I want you to come in and I want to honor you for the hand of God in your life. And I want to minister to you, not just merely entertain you. Because to entertain you means that I'm trying to impress you in some way or roll out the red carpet in some way. But it's really, that's about me. But it's not about me. It needs to be about you because honor is not about the person whom is giving honor. It's about the person who's receiving honor. How you honor people in your home is how you teach your children how to honor or dishonor authority. If you want your children to honor you, and they should, mom and dad's a good time to say amen. If you want your children to honor you, then you must first have a place in your home where you are showing honor to others. 
where you're honoring the presence of God by how you live your life and what happens inside your home when no one else is there, how you honor the, the man or the woman of God, or how you honor a minister to the needs that God brings across your path, how you open the door and not just merely entertain, but how you minister to them, that your home is a place of ministry. Your home is a place of honor. We see that the blessed family honors the presence of God. And so ask yourself that question, how God honoring is my home? From what's on television to what's being said. And again, I'm not judging anybody. Look, I'm just telling you, we, we yell at our house too, okay? So don't think like, okay, he's, there's just the angels just float through his home and it's just all nice. And no, 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 no. But how you do that communicates that, and, and it sets that up. And, and, and the other thing is, is how you treat others of authority in your home is how your, how your children will, th will treat authority and how they will ultimately treat you. If you sit in your home and you talk trash about everybody, that's exactly what they're going to do. You sit in your home and you denigrate your neighbors and, you, and the people that you work with and the people that you go to church with, and the pastor, don't shout me now when I'm preaching good, then that's exactly what they're going to do because they're going to learn that behavior. If you honor and you respect your neighbors, if you honor and you respect the people that you work with, if you honor and you respect uh, the, the people that you're going to church with, the people that you're doing life with, then your children will both honor and respect not only those people, but will honor and respect you. As a pastor, it's been really important to me to make sure that what happens at the church, which is kind of my office in essence, is not something that's discussed in my home. Because I don't want my children ever to hate church people or to hate church. Now, Life Church is a great church, and you're wonderful people. And this is, I mean, my girls love Life Church. But at the end of the day, we've always made a very concerted effort that if there's problems or that there's issues that are happening or there's frustrations that are ever happening, that I don't come home and at dinner that becomes a conversation. Why? Because how I react and respond in my work and in my environment and what I do, it actually communicates that to my children and therefore gives them the ability to honor or dishonor people of authority in their own lives. Same way with their coaches and with their teachers and with the people. It's the deal of, I understand that, that, that teachers are not perfect and coaches are not perfect, but at the same time, I'm wanting to treat, uh, teach a principle of honor. So we don't sit around and talk about how stupid some teacher is or how lame some coach is, or we don't armchair quarterback those decisions because we disagree with them. Why? Because I'm teaching honor. Because I want my home to be blessed. And I want to make sure that it's, it's a place of honor. O honor is something that's lost in the society in which we live in. And that we just don't simply tend to honor people. To, to stop and open the door for somebody. To, to, to stop and just defer somebody over ourselves. Or we walk around with such a chip on our shoulder that we're looking to be offended by somebody. So that, well, you're just doing me wrong and you're just being this way. No, I'm not even paying attention to you. You're thinking way more of yourself than what you ought. But because of our lack of honor in our society, in our, it just, it just, the respect level just comes down and down and down and down and down. And if we're not careful, what happens out there comes into our home. And there's just practical ways. For us, we have televisions in our house, but we have no TV where we eat or in the living room or in the kitchen. 
It's kind of the hub, kind of the central hub of the house. Why? Because we don't want racket from some commentator that I'm watching on some news network or somebody saying this or that or the foulness that can be just spewed out in media just coming across and just, it just being some back noise that's in the room. So we want to create a place where it's about honor and it's about respect and it's about pushing some of that stuff out and saying this is a space for us. This is a place for us. You want to go watch that? Go to the basement, right? I have a TV in my office. But, 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 but this is what we do. You understand what I'm saying? That's what you see. You see a couple that goes, they recognize the presence of God and they make room for it in their home. And in today's dollars, it would have cost them probably around $20,000 to have created that space into their house to make a room and a space for God and for his presence. They honored it. Second characteristics that we see here is that the, a blessed home is a place of favor. It's a place of favor. Verse 11 through 17 tells us that this family receives this favor of God. Elisha, who represents God, asked the woman what she wanted because of her hospitality towards him. And she graciously declines his offer because um, she was content with what she had. She wasn't greedy for what she could get. I think it's important, too, just to say here that life is not fair. And I know your parents told you that. And mine sure did. And, but it's true. Fairness ended in the garden. God is not fair. There's nowhere in Scripture that says God's fair. And we want to believe that, but it's just not true. And thank God he's not fair. Because your sins and my sins, we deserve hell. But by the grace of God, the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God, that's what grace means, I'm going to heaven and not to hell, because I deserve hell, but because God's not fair and he's gracious and kind, I'm going to heaven. But sometimes we can think that, that, that well, all of a sudden, man, if I'm just, if I'm living for God, that it's always just going to come up roses and everything's just going to be perfect and the angels are just going to, no, it, it's not. We're living in a very real world. But the favor of God is not fair either. Which means the favor of God, there are times where God comes into our life and he blesses us in ways that are just Im immeasurable. The Bible says it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It, it, it is more than you can contain in a good way. That's what's happening with this woman. It's interesting, she doesn't have a son, and in that society, a son would have meant everything because the son would have been there to take care of her when, when her husband, who, who, who uh, Elisha says is old, when he passes away because there was no social welfare for a widow was just left destitute to herself. That's the reason why they wanted to have children so that it would take care of them, and a son ensured that. A daughter didn't, but a son ensured that. So she doesn't have that. She doesn't have a retirement plan, in essence. She, she doesn't have a, a hope for a future, but she's not really, but you notice she's not upset about it. She's not anxious about it. She's just trusting God. And I'm just going to say this, because I think sometimes this needs to be said. You get together and you're married and you want to have kids and kids don't happen. And that's a very like, what's wrong with me? Maybe nothing's wrong with you. This isn't fair. Yeah, the world's not fair. Fairness entered in the garden. And you've got one of two choices. You can either get mad and upset at God or you can just go and say, you know what? God gives and takes away according to the book of Job, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm just going to trust that God, it's in God's hands. Well, who are you to tell me that? 
Well, Tammy and I can't have children biologically. Both of our daughters are adopted. And we just served it a long time ago. We can sit and wallow and squall and bawl and get all upset and get all whatever. Or we can just trust that God has a plan because the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And so we're just going to trust God with those details. And if he sees in his infinite wisdom that we need to be able to have children, he will bless us with children. And if he sees not, then we won't. But that's not my job. But I'm not going to live my life sitting around mad and depressed and upset because I don't get what I want. Rather, I'm going to live life content and just trust in him. That's what this woman's doing. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that to understand that the favor of God is unfair in the way that he will immeasurably and in, in, in crazy, amazing ways bless you. But you just got to trust him. And that's what we see with this woman. She's not greedy. She's not anxious. She's not pacing the floor. She's not building this room to try to strong arm God to get her to give her something. She's just serving the Lord and doing what's right and trusting in him. And then the man of God says, what is it that you want? And she says nothing, because she's content. And, and the, the assistant says she has no child. And Elisha says, this time next year you'll have a son. And she says, don't, don't play games with me. My husband's old. This isn't going to happen. Just he, I'm telling you. And the favor of God is released in her life because of the honor of God that she showed. When you honor God and you honor his word, when you lean so heavily on the word of God that if it were to move, you would fall, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing upon you so great you don't have room enough to contain it. Why? Because he's God. But you just said he wasn't fair. Oh, yeah, thank God he's not fair. He's gracious. He's awesome. He's good, and his mercies endures forever. Great is the faithfulness, oh, God. You never change. So we see this this blessing that comes into her life. And one of the greatest blessings that God can give you in a family, there's many blessings, but is children. And Psalm 127 verse 3 said that children are a blessing from the Lord. And we thank God for children. I have two daughters, and I'm thankful for that. But you know what? In my life, how that all transpired and how it all came about is even a greater miracle than even the fact of, of, of the kids and how God blessed and, and all of that. And, and, and so I just want you to get this, that, that when you honor God in that way, he will bless you in that way. And, and she was blessed. Favor is something that goes beyond money. See, uh, the, the Shunammite woman was blessed with, with something that money could not buy. She had favor. I'm telling you, any day of the week, I'd much rather have the favor of God in my life than I would have money or prestige or connections because the favor of God in someone's life can elevate you overnight to something that you have not the ability to ascend to. That's the beauty of it. That's the reason why I don't have to be at the right place at the right time. That, that, that's the reason why I don't have to make everybody happy in my life. That's the reason why I don't have to make everybody, you know, uh, as a pastor. I don't have to try to claw and scrawl to, to make sure everybody's, this, this group's okay and this person's okay and I shook this person's hand and I did this and did that and blah, 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 blah. I, I don't have to, I can just live life for the audience of one because if I just live life unto God, and I just trust in him, then he begins to open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing upon me. I don't have room to contain it. It's the favor of God. It's not about my wisdom. It's not about my, my, my ability or, or my intelligence or my connections. It's about favor. All of that. I'm preaching way better than you're shouting. All right. So the last thing we see 
is that, uh, is that, is that this is a place of peace. A blessed home is a, is a place of peace. So verses 18 through 37, we see that time passes. This son grows up. He goes into the field, and he dies. Now, how unfair is that? We've already established God's not fair. Life isn't fair. Reigns on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. So this woman takes her son, and she takes him to the room <coughs> that she's built for Elisha. And she lays him on his bed. Not on her son's bed, but on his bed. Again, Elisha represents God and the presence of God. And then she goes, and she says, I, 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 need, I need a donkey. I've got to go to Mount Carmel. I've got to go meet Elisha. I've got to go meet with God. I've got to go, and, I, and God's going to meet me there. And I've got to go, and I've got to get this. I've got, he's the only one that can bring my son back to life. And she uses a word or a phrase that the Hebrew uses one word for. And she says to her husband, says, but it's not the Sabbath, it's not Sunday. Like, how do you know he's going to be there? How do you know it's going to be okay? How do you know you're even going to find him? How do you even know? I mean, there's no appointment. There's no cell phones. You can't call. You can't text him. You can't set up a, an appointment. You, there's no Google calendar where you can say, hey, will you be here at this point in this time? There's no organized service. There, there's nothing. How, how do you even know this is even going to come together? The boy's dead is what the dad's saying. He's dead. You've left him on the prophets uh, 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 in his room on the bed, and he's still dead. He's not breathing. What are you thinking? And she says before she leaves, it is well. Which in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament's written in, is shalom, which means peace. Well, that what's going to happen is, is that there is peace that's going to take place. That there's peace that's going to, to be there in, in, in that home. And here's what I want you to catch. Again, I've been talking about how the favor of God is not, I mean, that, 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 that things are not always fair. Sometimes we think that, well, if I have a Christian home, everything's just going to be perfect. And then a Christian home with a Christian mom and a Christian dad, I'm going to have Christian kids. And the kids are always going to be perfect. That's a joke. The reality is, is that good families are going to pass through storms. And good families are going to pass through trials. And good families are going to pass through difficulties. And there's going to be trials with your job. And there's going to be storms with your finances. And there are going to be problems in your marriage that you're going to have to walk and navigate through. And there's going to be problems with your children. And there's going to be problems and illnesses and things that are just going to happen. And what happens in the middle of that time is this woman could have said, but this son was given to me by God. God, where are you? What are you doing? She doesn't. She could have gotten mad and upset. She could have listened to the rationale of her husband who just said, listen, woman, he's dead. Instead, what does she do? She says, no, I've got to go to God. It is well. There is going to be peace in this house. Because here's what happens in life. The enemy of your soul wants to tell you that if God was really in your marriage, you'd never have any problems. That doesn't hold any theological water. The enemy of your soul is going to tell you, if, if, if God was really in your home, there would never be any trouble with your kids. 
I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm living this out in my own life. That does not hold theological water because you teach and train a child in the way that they will go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. But it doesn't mean that there aren't seasons where these kids of ours who are free moral agents don't make choices and decisions. But the question in that moment as a parent is what do you say? What do you say is it is well. Because you have the power of life and death in the tongue, the Bible says, and you pronounce things that are not as though they are, and you speak in faith believing, and you go, it's going to be okay. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. God is going to show up in this marriage. God is going to show up in these finances. God is going to show up in my family. God is going to show up in this home, that there will be peace, shalom, it is well. Amen. And what happens is when the prophet comes to the house, that's exactly what happens. But it doesn't happen without a woman of faith who believes it is well. To have a blessed home is not a decision. It's a lifestyle. To have a blessed home is not just a decision to follow Jesus and it's just automatic. To have a blessed home is not easy. But when you live upon the principles of honor, we're going to honor God. We're going to honor his word. We're going to honor those who serve among us. We're going to honor those people that are in authority in our lives. Whether we like it or we don't, we're going to show honor. In our lives, in our homes, we're going to make sure that we recognize the favor of God. And we're going to ask for the favor of God to be upon our homes, to be upon our businesses, to be upon our family, to be upon our children. And when the winds of life blow against the home that God has built, we're going to pronounce it as well. And we're going to believe and stand upon the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because the peace of God is not the absence of trouble. It's the fact that Jesus is with you in the middle of the storm. And I don't know where you are. I don't know where your family is. I don't know what's going on. But I want to pray today for you and for your family and for your home. Maybe you're divorced and your kids are halfway across the United States. Maybe you're grown and you've made some decisions that you're seeing in, in the next generation. Maybe life is great. Maybe you're engaged and you've got your star, your starry eyed at this point. Keep that idealism as long as you can. Amen. But I'm going to pray that God blesses your home today, your marriage today, your kids today with honor, that He blesses it with peace. And he blesses it with favor.